Welcome to the Rebel Souls podcast, where we flip the middle finger to the status quo. I'm your host, Shelley Paxton, lifelong rebel, liberator of souls, and author of Soulbatical, a corporate rebel's guide to finding your best life. Settle in as we dive deep with badass leaders who are rebelling for what matters most in life, business, and the world at large. I'm so happy you're here. Let's get this revolution started. This is a Soul Fire production. Hello and welcome back, my fellow rebel souls. How are we liking Wednesday? Is Wednesday feeling good? I, I loved this idea of being like your soul fuel in the middle of the week when you're kind of experiencing the weight of hump day. You need a little inspo to push you over into the, you know, feeling energized for the remainder of the week. That's what I was hoping Rebel Souls could be when we made the move from Mondays to Wednesdays. So let us know. Drop me a DM, an Instagram, shoot me a note, anywhere. You guys know where to find me. Um, I'd love to hear how is it working for you as a little midweek, you know, pick me up. I'm hoping, I'm hoping it is. We committed to a whole lot of badassery in relaunching this podcast. We have an amazing new partner. You now know Soulfire Productions, who's putting this on. And I just, I wanted to, as if it was even possible, up-level the guests and the conversations that we're having. And so I, I feel like the initial lineup is so and I'm doing this for you guys. So let me know, submit some reviews, send me a DM. So here's the deal. I am finally bringing on somebody who many of you have heard me talk about my business coach since January of this year, January, 2021, Abby Gibb. And I have to say, it feels strange to even lead with business coach because I think of her as a soul sister, someone who I feel like I've known for lifetimes. I think of her as a dear friend. We've gone so deep together and just the, the sacred support I feel with her and how held I feel and the just the depth of our relationship in such a short period of time is, is magical. And so to simply call her my business coach seems like I'm selling, I'm selling our relationship short. And at the same time, I'm so grateful to have her in all of these capacities because she's been rocket fuel as a business coach as well and really helping me see the path to the exponential impact I want to have to the billion souls liberated mission that I've been on from the beginning to you know the money that will come along with that from having that impact so that I can continue to reinvest that and to support people who maybe don't have the money to invest in working with me and my programs and all of that. So Abby's been incredible and she really, really, really believes in this notion of, you know, doing good um, and, you know, doing good business 
doing good business, doing good in the world. And she herself is a movement maker. And that's what really inspired me to want to work with her. And I could sit here and read her traditional bio. We talk a lot about where she's come from and the journey she's been on and the evolution and the learnings and all of the things that she shares in her TED Talks and what she's learned so that, whew, I mean, these are like mm, soul bombs total soul bombs. But Abby is not only my business coach and soul sister and dear friend, she is an Emmy award-winning former TV journalist who had a TV show, who was like on that path to becoming one of the network news anchors. And through all many reasons that she shares with us incredibly vulnerably, She's shifted her focus. She's now an entrepreneur, global storyteller, and a media mentor. And we'll talk about what those things mean. But she's really helping women like me who are on a mission in the world to take that mission even further and to amp it up and to tell our stories in an even deeper edgier, more raw and vulnerable way. And I know this is all okay and possible and safe to do because I watch her do it every freaking day. And she cracks me open every time we have a conversation. I think I cried almost four times in this conversation alone. And so uh, we cover so much territory. We talk about the subject of her TEDx talks. Uh, her first one is around, you know, what we have to break up with in order to break through, in order to choose ourselves, which is what Abby's rebelling for. I mean, is there any more beautiful statement than rebelling for myself? And we talk about the, the pain, right? Like it's a beautiful statement and getting there, all of the molting and the shedding and the cocooning and the grieving that we have to go through to get to those places over and over and over again in every new stage of who we are becoming. That is what this conversation is about both of us sharing bits of our story. We cover everything. This is going to land so deeply with, with all of you. Perfectionism and people pleasing and the power of taking a break. Nobody lives sabbatical better than um, the principles of sabbatical better than Abby does. To be honest, she does it better than I do. And I learn from her every damn day. And really being true, truly honest with ourselves and listening to our bodies and the knowingness in our bodies and our deepest intuition. And as her most recent TED Talk encourages us, and this is a TED Talk, by the way, with over a million views, she encourages us to share our shit to become the storytellers of our lives in a vulnerable way so we can connect with each other and we can share and connect based on our true humanity, not polished Instagram stories. And she talks to us, shit is actually an acronym. And she tells us what that acronym is and how we can share our shit in the world 
for greater impact, for greater connections, and honestly, for a deeper relationship with ourselves. So all I can tell you is that this conversation is a soul enema. (laughs) Abby likes to say that and a bikini wax of the soul. There's a little bit of that too. And it's really beautiful to listen to her story. I never get tired of hearing about her journey because there's always a new revelation in it. And she talks about where she is right now in the next, you know, becoming what she's grieving right now. And we have a little surprise for you at the end because she is launching something brand new. And I'll give you a little little teaser that it is about who we get to become in the process of embodying our dreams. And if that isn't juicy enough, then just hit stop right now. This is so juicy. It is a little bit of a longer conversation because we couldn't stop and we went in so deep. And I know it was worth going that deep for that long. I know that you'll get nuggets and please share what you got out of this with both of us on Instagram in particular. So I'm going to leave you with all of that as a teaser. And let's dive into a conversation with my business coach and soul sister, Abby Gibb. Oh, sister, sister, you know, I have been looking forward to this. (laughs) Abs, welcome to Rebel Souls podcast. What an honor. I love you. Oh my God. I love you. And you know, like if we could do this every week, I'd be like, sign me up. So So good. This is, I, I love that everyone at home, hi, you get to drop in on pretty much what Shell and I are like all the time, pretty much on the reg. Yeah, it is. It is. And this is, this is from the time I met you, which feels like lifetimes ago. And in reality, if you can believe <laughs> it was only January of 2021, like that's this. Not, no, that's not real. We which can't be real. Lifetime. Our souls have been yeah. in other lifetimes together yeah. and we know, 100%. we know that for a fact. Yeah. So, 100%. so our, to our fellow rebel souls strap in. Oh yeah. This is going to be a good one. It's this gonna is going to be, be a good ride. This is going to be <laughs> sound like a creepy truck driver right there. Like you got to purr him out. You got, well, I challenge you. Can you please like do different voices like that? You sound really sexy in the microphone. And we're going to talk, by the way, about why you have your fancy ass microphone for those people who can see it. Like, I know I went, I went went to that later. Okay. Let's, let's save, let's save the news for later. We got some big news. So hang in there with us because Abby's going to tell us why she's wearing her cool headphones and she's got the fancy mic and she's got the sexy speaker voice that she's bringing into our conversation. All right. So here's the question that's going to launch the next hour's worth of conversation. Abs, what are you rebelling for? Myself. I'm rebelling for myself. I've spent a really long time working really hard for everyone else. What everyone else wanted me to say and be and do and look and date, live. And now I am sovereign unto myself 
And that is who I consistently, I'm realizing, have to fight for. Every day I have to fight for her. Every day there's an opportunity to abandon her. And that fear of abandonment is very real, but only to myself moving forward. That's what I rebel for. That's so beautiful. And you've taught me so much about that in such a short period of time. (laughs) I have immense gratitude for how you've cracked me open so that I can be more true to myself, even when I was kind of pretending like, oh, I got there. It was like a destination. I'm totally myself. And it's like, oh, no, sis. (laughs) Oh, sister, there are layers. Keep shedding. Always, always, but for both of us, I think part of what, um, I have a laundry list of reasons that I love you, right? All of us do that are listening to her. Um, but I, one of the reasons is that you're such a beautiful mirror. I think that's what deep friendships of any kind relationships, partnerships of any kind can be is that we continually be a mirror. And I think what I love about your podcast is that you offer that too, that you're willing to be that mirror and that you allow the guests to be the mirror to you. And, um, yeah, we, we can only go as deep in this episode, in our lives, in the work that we do, in our relationships, with how deep we're willing to go with ourselves, right? Like, I'm, yes, hypothetically a visibility coach, but really, honestly, I can't make you visible to this world any more than you're willing to be visible to yourself. That's it. That was one of the first things you said to me that I will never forget. We can't be any more visible to the world than we're willing to be visible to ourselves. Like everybody just take a deep breath and let that sink in, right? Like that's a soul bomb right there. And (laughs) I want, I want for you, like I have head to toe. Oh, literally got it. My voice just cracked. Like the chill literally went into my vocal cords. I've had to toe chills because I remember you saying that to me. And then I remember digging into your story and I've been on this beautiful journey watching you just go deeper and deeper and become more you every day. Oh man. And I want to talk about that because that journey, I think is an important part of this conversation. It, It might sound easy to say, I want to be really clear. And I know how clear you are. This shit ain't easy. This is really fucking hard and painful and liberating work. And worth every penny because it's your life. It's your one precious, beautiful life. What could be more worth it? What could be more worth it than that? Right. But having said that, it's so funny. So I was sitting there this morning. I'm working on my first book on a memoir with our beautiful book coach, Patty M. Hall. Yes. God bless Patty M. Hall. And I'm sitting the there. The like, best. The best. Y'all, the best. But I sat there with her this morning and I was like, all right, hold on. Has anyone ever asked a snake? We talk about, oh, I'm shedding my skin. I'm becoming a new version of myself. Have you asked her, the snake? what it is like to be filleted open and to have your skin shed from you while you are alive? Have you asked the Phoenix what it is like when a bird gets burned the fuck alive, right? And you're sitting there actively being filleted, right? Or you're sitting there actively being burned 
or a butterfly? Have you asked what it's like to be in a dark cave with no concept that you ever get to be out of there? Let alone, let's talk about what it's like the moment you actually spread your wings and you either fly or fall to your death. Like, what does that feel like? Oh yeah, that's what Shelly and I are sitting in right now. That's what it's like to be willing to consistently go deeper and to shed. And it's beautiful and it's worth it. And I will love to explore that conversation with you. And I have shed myself over a thousand times. And the piece that I find really funny is that I really thought at some point it would get easier, I know. Like it would be less painful. I, and I don't doubt anymore that it's worth it. Like I'm like, fun, sign me up, right? Like, let's go. I'm, I'm down. But I just thought like, cause I've done it a couple of times by now that like shedding my life would be easier. And it just, it is fucking painful. And I am in the shit right now, Shell. And I am grieving this old version of myself. And I am literally grieving like something has died because it has. Yeah. It really has. And I just want to normalize that. Like when somebody's like, how are you? And you're like, literally the best I've ever been. And I'm grieving my old self. And literally something is dead inside of me right now. So thanks. Thanks for asking. How's your day? Yeah, exactly. What do you want for lunch? Yeah. So anyway, I'm hungry. <laughs> want a cold brew? Like legit though, those are my friendship conversations. Be a friend with me and this is what it's like. Well, and those so anyway. are sisterhood conversations, right? You and I and the beautiful sacred container of the Divine yeah. Feminine Leadership Academy that you created that brought me oh, thankfully into your <laughs> world and the world of so many other badass women. And we were all in that container just yesterday grieving. Yeah. And all yeah. of our grieving looks different. And it is for different reasons. But I even wrote that down. It's funny. It is still on a post-it note in front of me on my desk, uh, almost exactly what you said from our conversation yesterday. I'm grieving the loss of who I thought I wanted to be in order to embrace who I'm becoming. I mean, it makes me want to cry. Like there were a lot of there were a lot of tears yesterday and yeah. tears of joy, right? Tears yeah. of celebration and tears of, yeah, moving through that space where it's like, I can't yet see all of the beautiful butterfly wings of the becoming. And yet I know it's there. 100% I know it's there. hundred percent. I know it's there. And the piece that we can sit in is a trust Right. So like the more that we are integrous and never abandon that voice and move from that space of deep capital K knowing whatever that looks like for you at home. But when we move from that consistently, no matter the price, the trust, the sovereignty that I've been sitting with that word, the authenticity, the authority of ourselves is worth it. Because literally, what is the other choice? The pain of staying small or the pain of staying responsible to someone else's perception, even if it was our own, right? I am willing to let anyone else, including the old version of myself down. Yeah, just not. That's what I'm willing to do. Like, that's some fiery fucking shit. And it's hard and it's real and it's valid. And whatever you're going through at home right now, whether that's 
I was so sure it was this career. I was so sure it was this title. I was so sure it was this amount of money. I was so sure it was this person. I was so sure it was me, this other version of me, whatever that is, lean into it. It's, it's worth it. And you're not alone in the pain because Shell and I are like, fucking not even me. We're like boob deep. We're, oh, sister, it's way <laughs> over our eyeballs. We're like, we barely got hair sticking out. <laughs> we're like, we're, we're treading, we're treading, we're exactly. Treading. And treading together. So I, okay, so I know uh, you be- very publicly talked about, I love how you say you've got to break up in order to break through. And yeah. you've really vulnerably shared your many layers of breaking up at different stages and seasons in your life, breaking up in relationships, right? Breaking up with your highly successful career, probably that job you were just referring to, right? Can you take us like the, the, you know, our rebel soul community has heard you and I on IGTV, like you and I have done some lives and I've been a huge proponent. I've referred to you in my work and on the socials and to anyone and everyone who will listen. And I want them to know the you that I know, because the way you tell your story is really beautiful. Oh, thanks friend. Thank you. Thank you for being such a good support. Not just good, just great, incredible, deep, real, honest, like, fuck, this is the kind of sisterhood we can all hope for. Right. And fuck, it's not been, it's not been easy. And in my first Ted talk, I, I talk very openly about these three types of breakups that I personally have faced. And I think that we all as women, especially face at some point in our life, right? So there was the relationship breakup, there was the body breakup, and there was the career breakup. And all of them are valid and they all come with their own price tag and lesson. So um, my relationship breakup starts with this very dramatic story that actually I was just working on in the memoir and I'm clutching my face and my head is ringing and I'm on one foot, sort of just discombobulated in this house, this dream house with this dream life that I said, I was so sure I wanted. Uh, and I realized in that moment that I had to run out the door because that was the night my face met his fist and my head had just ricocheted off the corner of the wall. And I was holding oh, a high heel shoe. I remember. And I was in that moment contemplating, should I attack him? Should I run, you know, get in his face, uh, to defend myself or should I run? And I had this deep knowing that I've had for a very long time. I've had a very close relationship with the universe my entire life. And, uh, Ariana Grande is right. God is a woman. And so she came (laughs) very palpably to me and, uh, gave me this really beautiful lesson that I won't go into a ton, but just that I knew in that moment that I had to choose me and that I had to run and that that was the safest and best option for myself. And I nearly tripped over my wedding invitations that had just been delivered that day that were sitting on the front door. So I'm 24 years old. Um, I met this man when I was 19. He was the only man at that point that I'd really ever been in love with. That was the only real love I had known. And I didn't have a great relationship with my father and I was constantly looking for someone to choose me because I felt so abandoned by my dad. 
And I didn't have any sense of self-worth, especially when it came to men. So I thought this was as good as it gets. I thought it was normal to be locked in a bathroom. Um, I thought it was normal that somebody would choose your clothes and tell you what friends to have. I thought it was normal. I thought that was as good as I deserved. And I had been very used to eating breadcrumbs my whole life. And I didn't know to even ask for a full slice, let alone the loaf of bread. Yeah. I know that lands for somebody today. And, um, and I, I had the wedding dress in the basement, the wedding dress that I thought I was so sure was going to make me happy with the man that I was so sure. And marriage was just the next step. It was the thing I was supposed to do. It's your college sweetheart. We had the house. I had a good job. Like that's what you do. And quite literally, I needed that moment. I needed to be woken up in that moment. Did I, and I want to clarify very easily, did I deserve to be hit? Does anybody deserve domestic violence? Absolutely not. But at least I took that as my final sign to leave. And so many times for so many reasons that are not your fault, you didn't leave at that moment. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry for every woman listening that didn't. And I was lucky that I got out. And it started a journey that lasted about almost to the day, 10 years of me running away to finally run back home to me. And I learned a few important lessons there, Shell. And one of them is that you cannot win battles with people who are at war with themselves. Just can't. You cannot win battles with people who are at war with themselves. Yeah. And, you know, I, I loved him, but he loved bottles of vodka more than he loved himself. And that left no room to love me. And that is the truth. And that's okay. I thought I had done something to deserve it or that I was wrong. Um, No, I was 24. (laughs) I had a lot of learning to do, but I also, I can say that I didn't deserve that moment and that's okay. That's okay. And that I had this very deep fear for very valid reasons about being abandoned. And I realized 10 years after that moment that you can't ever be abandoned if you never really abandon yourself. So that was the first moment that I chose myself very deeply. When you asked me the first question, what am I rebelling for? And I said myself, and that was the first time I chose me. I was willing to let everyone else down. I remember calling my mom crying and saying, but my aunts have already bought their plane tickets. And my mom was like, it does, that's okay. Really, honey, it's okay. But you can let them, they'll be all right. They'll live. It's, but how many times y'all, right? At home, I bet somebody just threw the loofah down, right? Whatever, wherever, if you're listening in the shower, like you threw your car keys, wherever you're at right now. I bet there was a moment where you're like, fucking A, you're right. I, w- I was like, but I don't want to let them down. Whatever that is for you. So that was the, these are the shoulds, right? And I know you're about to present us with a list of them. These are the shackles of should we put ourselves in because we prioritize the needs and desires of others ahead of ourselves. And even now in this season, what Shell and I are sitting in is that for a moment, we, we still consistently every day have to check in because there might be a moment where we're prioritizing an old version of ourselves that said we wanted this thing or a way of doing it, or a way of relating to ourselves that is not true to us any longer. 
And so we're willing to even break up and let go as painful and palate. Like I can feel it right now inside of my heart that this is true, that I'm willing to even let go and let down the older version of myself that was so sure and said, I wanted something else in my life and I can hold space. I'm strong enough to hold space for the greatest love and happiness I've ever felt in my life today. And also some of the deepest grief and that's okay because that's breaking up to break through. And that's okay. Nobody asks what the butterfly feels like when you're breaking out of that cat on the cocoon, like that fucking has to hurt like so bad. I call it a bikini wax of the soul, man. That's some real shit. Yeah. And those tender wings. Yeah. Right. And so such compassion for our journeys. And I I, I don't know a strong woman that doesn't have a strong story that forced her here. That's the other thing. It's not like I chose these stories. Trust me. Like if there was an easier, softer landing, I would have chosen it if I could, but, um, these have been very hard fought. So the second piece then is I find myself within a few years, like three years later, I find myself so sick, Shell, like so sick. What I mean by sick is I would wake up in the morning and I would have my hands like in fists and I would have to move slowly every single finger open and push them open. And then I would like hunch over, like hunch back, seriously, to the bathroom. And then I would push like slowly my hips open so I could stand up straight. Because what I didn't know was that this chronic disease was attacking all of my joints and ligaments and the nerve linings of my body. And I would go to the doctors, every doctor I could, and they would tell me they didn't know what was wrong with me. And they would tell me it was in my head or they would tell me that I had some sort of cancer that they didn't know. And when you have a chronic illness, especially when it doesn't look like you're sick on the outside, it is one of the most painful and isolating experiences. I would never wish that on my enemy. It feels like you're looking down the wrong end of a telescope and everything starts to get really, really small and dark and hopeless. And that is what it was like for me for five years. And I would throw up in between commercial breaks. Um, My executive producer was the only one that really knew. I was going to white knuckle my way to success. I was so sure I would have to drag my body if I had to, but I had not come this far to only come this far. So my body better strap on in and come with me because I am going to make it. At that point, I, you know, I was, I'd won an Emmy. I was, had my own TV show. I was going to be a network news anchor by 30, literally hell, high water, my debt, practical death. I did not care. That is what I was going to do. I had gone through so much. Um, later on, I realized so much trauma that had been normalized in my industry that I was like, oh, hell no. Am I going to let my body break down? But of course, my body, as I learned, um, you can lie to yourself, but your body will never lie to you. My body had told me that I was outgrowing this job, this career, this idea of happiness. And I was living in a skeleton of myself, forcing myself to keep going, even though I had long shed that. And I found out that I had Lyme disease and about five other co-infections that had accumulated over time 
So it wasn't just overcoming Lyme, but I had um, mercury poisoning. I had this thing called small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. I mean, I had all kinds of shit I had to undo. This is your body literally rebelling, saying, wake the yeah. fuck up and pay literally. attention. Hello. Yes. Hello. Hello. Is this thing on? Hello. Hello. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I always literally. say like our souls whisper and then they shout and then they whack you with a two by four. Yeah. And that is getting whacked and then some and with then the two stop. by four. And then run over and then by yeah. the steamroller. <laughs> <laughs> like, fuck, dude. And the piece that I'll say now is um, you don't need a break down to deserve a break. Right. So like at first I needed a boulder and then I needed a rock and then a pebble. And there are so many moments in my life I can look back. And now even after much later after that longer in my journey, I was working with this client and I knew I wasn't supposed to be working with them any longer, but I felt stuck and I didn't want to quote let anyone down. I wanted to be the good person, right? I am a recovering people pleaser. Hi, my name is Abby. And I was going to the computer shell and every time I was going to go type for this person, my hands, my fingers got covered in eczema. And then when I would stop or go to write something for myself, I was fine. And when I quit within two weeks, all of the eczema on my body cleared up. And I was like, abs, how much more my sweet love do you ever need again? And so it's again, going back to this conversation of trust and allowing myself to trust my body and that my body was my best friend and that we were going to be through this together and that she ultimately will never lie and will be the biggest intuitive barometer of what is a fuck yes and a fuck no in my life. And they really have to be that black and white. Well, and, and before we go on to your third breakup, can we pause on what you said around the power of like, you don't have to have a breakdown to take a break. It's something I really, I want to talk to you. Like as I was sort of getting my little intuitive download of, you know, areas where you've had a huge impact. I mean, I mean, hello, also people <laughs> pleaser. My name is Shelly. I am also the author of Soulbatical, who yep. often forgets to take a fucking break. <laughs> I was just going to say, hey, Kettle, it's nice to meet you. I'm black. Hi. Uh-huh. A hundred percent. And yeah. so that power of taking a break. And I've watched you do it. Like I've watched you model recently, three weeks, you went, you disappeared, no social, you went into the wild, literally. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just talk a little bit about that because you are really good. And I don't want to let this moment pass by without reminding (laughs) everyone in this community. We can, we can, we will not can, we will give ourselves a million excuses as to why we have to be shackled to the computer and do that thing. And somebody's owing that whatever, and work is piling up and all the things it's bullshit. Choose yourself because we cannot serve others if we're not serving ourselves. And I love that you live this and you're one of my best soul models for doing this. I'll burn it all down. I I have to, I will. My body knows it too. So my body can trust me now. Like if I say I need to push, you know, we got big things we want to be doing in the world. Right. So when I say to my body, Hey body, you're doing so great. I know you're a little tired. Like, I just need a couple more days, just a couple more days. And then we're going to have a massive, delicious, juicy rest. But I, I just need, just give me a, like three days. My body, I can feel my body go, okay, I can give that to you. 
but not four and not a week and not a month and not someday. And I'm like, yep, body, we're, we're good. We're good. Just give me three days. Right. And I'm going to give you the most delicious rest. Or mm-hmm. my body's like, I want to push a little more. I'm actually not done. Like, let's go right until midnight tonight because we got some stuff to do. And I want to process some things. And I'm like, Ooh, that's yummy. All right, let's go. Right? But, but like listening before, to your body and tuning in. And I mean, we're conditioned. So many of us, at least speaking personally, we're conditioned. Thanks. We live in our heads, right? Yeah. That practice of tuning into our bodies and listening and, and trusting that intuition and that capital K knowing, like you said, yeah. it like, serves you well. Like I took three weeks off. And you know what happened, Shell? It's a real big shock. Uh, nothing. Nothing happened. Nope. The world kept turning. My business ran just fine. Uh, everybody was okay. Shelly's one of my dearest, sweetest clients. She was fine. Life was fine. Uh, guess what? Nothing will happen. Yeah, I would say I would say the biggest thing that happened, like spe- as speaking as one of your clients, I was like, hello, having an awakening over here, watching my coach model the <laughs> things I talk about. Yeah. Hello, Shelly. Reminder, practice what you preach. Take a heaping teaspoonful of, right? Yeah. So, like, right? It was the I- ripples of impact that you have by modeling that for all of us. We all deserve it. We all deserve it. You don't have to earn it. I don't like that. You don't have to earn that shit. It is, it is a fundamental right of yours. And especially for entrepreneurial people that are listening to this podcast, we build this because we make terrible employees. We don't do well in a nine to five structure. We think that is our death. And yet we find ourselves so quickly building a business that's strapped to a desk and hours. And we actually end up working so much more. And it's a running joke, except it's not funny. And I'm not here to embrace that, right? So like I'm very much now, and I understand this is a luxury that I get to say because I'm not in the beginning of my business. So please hear me. I did not do this in the first six months of my business, okay? I'm not pretending that there isn't a lot of work. Having said that, now I'm in a different position. And I understand that I could have made a million dollars this year. I absolutely could have done that. But at what opportunity cost to my soul? It's what, how, how much money is enough y'all? How much accolade, how many books, how many best-selling whatever's the same thing when I won an Emmy, like, I'm not just like name dropping that. I mean, when I won that, it was one of the coolest, best moments of my life. I'm so grateful that it was everything I would have hoped for in more shell. My dress was beautiful. The actual award is heavy. The whole thing is fucking great. And guess what? I turned around and said, I never need one of these again. I don't need another one. What is two or 20 or 2000? You won. You got the thing. It was great. It was cool. Like, what do you actually need? Right. And yeah. so the other piece, like when we're sitting with the calendar, a suggestion I have is literally blocking it in. I'm not working in August. I have two calls. That's it. I'm not writing. I'm not doing a podcast episodes. I'm not going to really be focused a ton on social because I deserve it. I'm okay. It's going to be okay. And we, we, especially as leaders, we can't expect again, the world to be more visible than we're willing to go with ourselves. So if we're asking people to take a soul check, are we taking the soul check? And the universe will Again, hit us over the head with a boulder if it has to. Yeah. And and for anybody listening who's in the corporate world, 
figure out what your version of this is. Yeah, I yeah, get that right I now, right? Right now, the two of us are, we've lived, we've lived that life, our different flavors oh, yeah. of that life. And you're talking about your, your version of radical self-commitment is what I call it now. Yeah. Radical yeah. self-commitment. That looks different for all of us. I yeah, love that when I first met you and I was talking to Molly, your right-hand yeah. woman, she was okay. like, Abby only works on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. And I was like, I'm a little envious of that. Okay. <laughs> and then I remember the first time I talked to you and you're like, yeah, I snowboard on Mondays and Fridays. That's my thing. Yeah. And I was like, fuck snow yes. seasons. Why would I, I'm not going to wait in lines on the weekends if I cannot. Like, no, thank you. Uh-uh. And I understand. Yeah. I understand. If you're sitting in corporate, you're like, I would also like a pink pony and maybe a fucking unicorn abs. Like, yeah. thanks. I get that, that, but I understand because I was in the corporate world. So I understand the price that I paid. I woke up every single morning at 2 a.m. I get it. I really do. Trust me, which is why it is so delicious to be snowboarding with no lines on a Monday. It is the most radical self-love and care I can give myself. It feels like I eat chocolate cake when I get to do that on a Monday. Or in the summer, getting to take all of August off. I only dreamed of that. And I will say, to fly my feminist flag, I genuinely, back in the day, thought I needed some rich husband in order to make that happen. I really did. And I'll be the first to admit it. I'll be the first to admit it. That I thought for a very long time that I needed him to be able to take us on these vacations and that I was going to be the kind of person that ran the like nonprofit side of our, you know, of our world, but that, and I would take care of the kids and I would be the good wife to his career. And the more I fell in love with myself and my career, the more I was like, I want all this for me. <laughs> like, and I, I tell yeah. this quick story about how I had never gone to Italy because I always had waited. I thought Italy was this amazing romantic experience and I wanted a man to take me. And so I didn't want to waste that. I didn't, I thought it wouldn't cheapen it if I went by myself or with a friend, like, so I waited and I fucking waited until I could. And I dated so many Italian men thinking they would take me to their hometown. I'm not even kidding. I had, I went through a string of them. I mean, I did. And I thought it was, that was what I wanted. And the day, okay. I was like, fuck this. I'm tired of waiting. So I go and I book a flight for my mom and I for her birthday. And I never even thought I would have the financial means to do that, let alone that it would come into place that way. And I called it a mom moon. It was the most romantic 12 days ever. We went everywhere. I paid for everything. I first classed her everywhere. And if you were in a close relationship with your mother, you understand the joy to get to give your mother that. And it's not lost on me that one week after I bought that ticket, I met the man that I'm going to marry. And he actually flew and met us at the end of that trip. And they met each other, my mom and I in Europe. And then he and I went on and lived in Barcelona. I mean, is that even like a real thing? When I was once somebody who was making $70,000 living in a shithole apartment in a toxic, abusive, physically abusive, and emotionally abusive industry known as the TV world, And here I am like, oh, gallivanting to Barcelona with this hot man. Is this my actual life? Like, again, what happens on the other side of being willing to sit in that cocoon? Why do I say that word weird? Cocoon. 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 
I don't know. I said that. I said that like people say herbs. I'm like, dude, it's just an herb. It's an herb. Like, let's be real. It's anyway, very British. I, w- I wasn't really trying to be fancy there, but like, what is on the other side of you being willing to break your own heart? Everything. I didn't say it wasn't going to break. I didn't say it wasn't going to suck, but everything you want is on the other side of that breakup. Yeah, Whatever. That's how I felt is. about my divorce have to be willing. I give that advice to people who are really struggling where it's like, I know we're not growing together or something has gone south in the marriage or any relationship, whether you're married or not, doesn't matter. Right. But I'm like, sometimes you have to break your own heart. Yeah, That's you're right. Because that is one of the breakings that opens, just opens opportunity that invites in what's meant to be, that helps us, that sort of paves the golden brick road to who yeah. we are becoming a hundred percent. And it, it's anybody that you admire, anybody that's worth their salt will tell you that they've had these moments. And it's not one. I still, that's what I was laughing in the very beginning of this episode. Like I really genuinely thought like, oh, I've done this, right? Like, oh, Ah, old hat by now. It hurts more now than I think it's ever hurt before. Holy shit, it hurts right now. And I'm the happiest I've ever been. And yes. I feel the most at peace about these decisions, but it does not take the pain away. And that's okay. That gets to be okay. So wherever you're at, if you're listening and you're shaking your head, being like, yep, that's true. Like you're not alone because Shell and I are in this shit with you. Yeah. And give yourself, like, take a deep breath and give yourself a break, whatever that looks like in your world. Even if it's once a month, I take a long weekend, right? I give myself the gift, right? Something, anything, two nights a week. I just, I get quiet, whatever it is. Yeah. Because you can't be the leader, employee, mother, daughter, wife, husband, partner, whatever your words are. You can't be that person if you are not first and foremost to yourself. You just can't. I really did try. I did. I thought if I was just perfect enough, right? If I was skinny enough, if I was pretty enough, if I was professional enough, famous enough, somehow I would be able, if I was just enough to avoid the pain that I'm in right now. And I wouldn't trade it. Because the pain of staying small, of staying when you're ready to bloom, like I worst go with the analogy, but if you're, you're in the cocoon and the pain of staying there when you know you're meant to blossom isn't worth it. It outweighs it every time, every time. Yeah. I, and I don't know what that is for everybody today, but everybody's in it somewhere if they're being honest with themselves. I love that you said that because the quote, I don't know if you remember this, but one of the quotes at the very beginning of my book and the quote that like woke me the fuck up was an Anais Nin quote that I will, I will not say it perfectly, but the gist of it is exactly what you just said. The risk to remain tight in a bud is more painful than the risk to blossom. 110% every time, every time, every time. And if we're not rebelling for ourselves, who is advocating for us? And that was the other piece is kept assuming that everyone else had my best interest at heart. And I have a huge kind heart and that hasn't changed, but I do know that no one, 
No one is going to care for you the way you care for you. No one is going to believe in your dream. No one is going to advocate. No one is going to push. No one is going to market. No one is going to love. No one is going to sacrifice like you will for you. No one. And that's okay. And the other part is when you choose yourself, this is the best part. I chose myself. I I took three weeks off. I went dark and I told you nothing happened. Yeah. That's so beautifully like illuminating that like nobody cares. They're all in their own shit. So like literally you don't matter. And that's the most liberating factor ever. No one's watching. So just do whatever you need to do. No one, literally no one is watching at all. They, they really aren't. They're in their own world. They're in their own day to day. We're all caught up in our own shit. It's like, does my ass look fat? It's like, guess what, Shell? No one is looking at your ass. No one cares. No one literally no one cares. You are staring at it in the mirror, telling yourself a whole host of stories. And I have never met a man in my entire life who's ever said, Ugh, get out of my bed, that ass. Never, (laughs) never shall. Not one. Pretty sure. You're going to make it to that point, Shell. They don't care. They don't oh, care, Shell. I know. You're beautiful. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you for that. I needed a little pep talk today. So that's always helpful. I You're love beautiful. you for saying okay. that. I love you. There you go. Okay. So let's use this as like the bridge into. So I know your third breakup was around breaking up with this. What on, I guess, in from all external perspectives, yeah. much like my career. Mm. looked sexy and badass and where everyone wants to be. And it ticks all the boxes of success. You're like this sexy journalist winning, you know, Emmy awards and you've got your own show and you're going to be the thing on the big network and all the things. And actually you're dying. Yeah. Literally quite actually, I was dying from multiple reasons. Yeah. Um, so you, st- you realize you have to break up with this industry, yeah. which also uh, was kind of the bridge to birthing one of the many reasons I fell in love with you because <laughs> similar to me, it's like you have these breakups and I want you to talk about that. And then you go, oh, fuck, I'm not the only one in this journey. Now people are looking at me going, wait, how do I, how do I do that? How do I do that? Oh, maybe I've maybe I'm leading a movement. And I didn't even know it. Maybe I need you and I were talking yesterday about yeah. like the bushwhacking, right? Like, all right. So I'm getting way, I'm getting way, way, way. I get so excited. I'm getting like way ahead of the story. So so let's talk about your breakup and how that yeah. led to the fact that you're, you know, right. on a movement, you're a movement maker. Yeah. I know it's crazy. It's a okay. Big ass message for all of us that we'll get to. It's so fun. Okay. Well, yeah. And no matter if you were ever in um, a big corporate career or not, doesn't really matter. I know that everybody can relate to realizing that over time we've, we've been in positions where trauma was normalized to a point we thought it was our fault or just quote the way it was. And only after some time away, do you look and go, wow, that was (laughs) That was a little toxic there, wasn't it? Um, So I tell a few stories just to put this into perspective because I think we've so beautifully and it has healed me on such a level to have stories and movies and TV shows now that 
are what it was really like. So for me, um, in my therapy sessions, like my talk therapy sessions, when the movie bombshell came out, um, I didn't watch it for a year. I just wasn't ready. And then when I did, it was one of the greatest catalysts in my therapy sessions. I was like for two, twofold. And this is why I believe in the power of story. Number one, I was like, that's true on such a level that I need everyone to know. And it freed me from having to say so much because when people ask me that aren't in relationship to me, like you are, it's not appropriate necessarily for me to always go into all of the stories because my boundaries are sacred. So because someone else had the guts to make that movie, I get to now say, just, just go watch bombshell. It was like that actually not like that. It was that I was that, that was me. And that's the power that each of us have when we share our personal story. So when I share a story about domestic violence, for instance, and somebody says, well, you don't look like somebody that would, this is a real thing. You don't look like somebody that would have been beaten up because <laughs> there's a category for that. And another woman might say, okay, uh, weird response. Uh, watch this woman's Ted talk. It was like that. That's what we all do with the power of our story, because then not everyone has to lift from the very beginning every time. Mm. So bombshell. And we don't feel so alone. Alone. I really thought I was alone. And that's part of the trauma. That's part of when you're in that space, you're made to feel right. That's how you do it. Um, my uh, ex-fiance made me feel isolated from my friends and family. That's part of how you can control someone. I felt because all of my friends were in this TV world with me and we were working insane hours that all of us just thought that's how it was. And that anyone that wasn't just really couldn't hack it. You know, I was the tough person that could handle the pressure and all of this stuff. And I took, I wore it as a badge of honor. Right. So I want to just tell two very short stories to explain, because although you see the bombshell movie type things, um, you know, I, everybody has their own version. So it was what I like to think of as small, sometimes small paper cuts that consistently over time don't look like a big deal, but when they don't heal, you eventually bleed out. You're dead inside. And that's what this was like for me. I was consistently having these small and bigger paper cuts that never healed. And I was dead on the inside by the time I left. So there was a moment where I was covering the Super Bowl, and it was the Seahawks' first big win. And I'm in Seattle. And this is a big deal, you know? Super Bowl, here I am. I'm on the field. It's very exciting. One of those check the boxes of things I always wanted to cover in my life. And it was really cool. And then I go outside to cover all of the big fanfare of everyone winning. And I'm there and I'm in the middle of it and it's awesome. And I'm live and everyone's cheering. And this is like a really cool big moment. In my head, I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be great for my reel, you know, my tape my resume tape, like, oh, this is going to be such a good one. I'm going to use like, oh, so good for my career. That's literally what my head was at. Not even in the moment. No, not even in the moment. I was just like, this is check another box because I don't know how many of you, doesn't matter what corporate kind of world you're in, you're on a ladder and all you look at is the rung ahead of your head. That's it. That's all you're focused on. And somehow you think, I don't know where you think the happiness is, but maybe it's in the next rung of the ladder. (laughs) So I was just that focused. I was, let's say ambitious to say the least, which I don't think is a dirty word, but 
That's what I was. And so I'm there, I'm going live shell. And right after I finished the live shot, I feel someone's hand grope my chest and another person grope my ass. And then another person grope my crotch. And then I just have this sensation of being pulled back. And I realize that I'm being dragged down the street. And I had dropped my microphone and I just remember screaming. And then in another fell swoop, I remember getting picked up and thrown over someone's shoulder. And I remember seeing a lanyard bouncing back and forth and realizing as I'm punching the living shit out of this person, that this person's screaming back to me that it's my photographer and that the lanyard is my lanyard. It's our lanyard, you know, our press pass. Yeah. And that he was pulling me out of this situation. And I had asked my bosses to have security and they didn't give it to me. And I didn't want to say anything because I didn't want to be taken off the story. But I knew as a woman, and I'd already had multiple experiences of being groped around sports stories by random drunk people and players. And so I knew I needed that, but I didn't advocate because I didn't have, I wasn't in that position to be able to ask. I didn't, I needed it for my reel. I needed it for the career. Right. And I call the newsroom in hysterical tears, telling them what happened. And the person in charge said, I'm so sorry. And in the same breath, are you still going live tonight? And I realized that nothing was ever really going to change. And I had just then fast forward a couple years and I'm in the newsroom and I get pulled into an office and there's a giant, big flat screen TV in this office and freeze framed is me uh, in yoga pants. And all I see on the screen is my butt. Speaking of you and I are talking about butts and I, this is, this is one of my bosses. And he says, what do you see wrong with this picture? And he's pointing to this, the, the screen. And I, I, I say, I'm sorry. I'm not sure. I don't, I don't really know. And he goes, your ass, your ass is what's wrong with this screen. And I was like, okay, um, great. What, what's so wrong with it? And he goes, it's too big. Have you thought that maybe this, uh, outfit, um, just, uh, how do I say this? Uh, there are certain women that can wear it and you're not one of them. Now, please understand that it doesn't matter what size I was. No, there is no reason ever that that would be okay to say to me. Um, but I, at that point was so deep in my, uh, eating disorder that I was 30 pounds less than I am right now. I was in a race to zero. I thought that if I hit zero, if I literally just didn't exist, <laughs> then you maybe vapor, right. Then maybe this pain and this torture that I was experiencing would go away. So this is the thinnest I've ever been. I'm throwing up every dinner I have. Um, I'm, I hate myself on such a deep level that it, I'm going to break 
at some point, quite literally, like my bones are going to break and I'm sitting there and it's still not enough. And he shows me what looks like orange is the new black, like prison, like sweatpants. Cause I'm like, what, what do you expect me to wear? And he pulls this up and he's like, I don't know, something to cover whatever this is. And paper cut, paper cut, paper cut. Right. And then I go to cover this story shell about, uh, these women who are suing the city for this new thing called the me too movement that I had been hearing a lot about, but now I'm actually interviewing these women and the way they described what they were facing in their offices within the city sounds really weirdly familiar. And then I interview the lawyer that's representing them. And I'm like, is this, this is sexual harassment? This is a bad thing? Like, like it's not just like a part of it, it's a Tuesday. And they're like, yeah, so that's a problem. We don't do that. And I was like, oh. And I came home, Shell, that night. And it was the kind of night where when I got to the door, I didn't even take my bra off yet. I didn't put my hair in the messy, fuck everything bun. I just slid down with my keys still in hand down my door. And I cried from those like basement cells. Mm. And I know you know what I mean. Because everything I had just worked for, and I'd also, by the way, in this time, created my own production company and I self-funded it. And I was this close. When I mean this close, I mean like within a couple yards of a multiple million dollar deal. But what are you going to rebel for? Who are you going to choose? What can you live with? You got to live with you. And I knew once I said those words out loud, it was over. There was never going back. What am I going to go back to? What am I going to, what state? There's no station. We all knew about Matt Lauer. I'd worked at NBC for how many years? I worked at CNN, Fox, Al Jazeera America, NBC, CBS. I've been to all of it. There's nowhere that a woman was safe at that time. Not one place. Where am I going to go? Everything I'd worked for, Shell, all that I was, my entire identity, all that I'd worked. I'm so fucking good at this job. And I really believed at that time that I couldn't do anything else. I had no other skill set, right? I'd gone to college for it. All I'd done was this. They make you feel like, you know, that's it. And so I very meekly, not with a roar in between the sobs said me too. Mm. And then that was it. And I want to say that it was only because of two women that I even had the guts to say that. And that's a really important piece for all of you. When I say the power of your story, and I talk about my second Ted talk of sharing your shit, which is your story, living into your humility, understanding your intuition and telling your truth, which is an always moving target, by the way. But it's because two women, one of them, Tarana Burke, the woman who started the Me Too movement and shared her shit when no one would listen and nobody cared. And she told her truth. And it's because of her and 10,000 other women. And then another woman who gave me, loaned me the week before that, 
$10,000 for my production company to keep me afloat while I was in this negotiation. And I told her what was really going on. And she said, you take that $10,000 for you and you live off of that. And you stretch that as far as you can while you're figuring this out, but I got you. No strings attached, pay it back whenever you can. And not only did I pay her back just a year later, but I took that seed money and I actually helped another woman who was leaving the industry after I did. And I took that money and I gave it to her first and she paid me back. And then I started a scholarship fund with it that now has more than $100,000 that we've given away. And that's the power that we have. That's the power that we have. When we just say to one other woman, I see you, I got you. And that might be financially. That might be. It was for me. It was for the women I helped. It might be emotionally. It might be just in a story in a way that you will never know how you touch someone. All you can do at the end of the day is choose yourself. What am I going to do? After all that show, I'm going to abandon myself for what? Some Coca-Cola money? Come on now. I can't. Well, you wouldn't be here ta- talking to me. We wouldn't have met. We wouldn't be on these missions, these big ass missions together. Yeah. Choose yourself and share your shit. Yeah. I am sure. definitely, I mean, amongst all of the links that we'll put in the show notes, I want everyone to watch both of your TED Talks you. and realize the power in both of these in both of these like core messages, I want, can you, what was the inflection point for you where you realized, okay, I've chosen me. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I've got these, you know, even if it's two women who I can relate to and share my story, I've got them and they feel like my pillar of strength and I will stand on their shoulders and help other women and keep that door open. What was the moment for you that led to starting your healing media movement and realizing (laughs) that this is even bigger than you? Because I find that like, it's often the hardest part for people to believe in my story where it's like, I literally had no idea that I was going on a journey that would become a thing. Yeah. You couldn't have had an idea no. that you were no. choosing you and it no. would become a thing. Ever, ever. I was just trying, literally, I was just trying to pay the bills. I was just trying to keep my head above water. Um, I went from there and I quickly got a job working for a startup. And I, then I worked from that quick startup, which didn't work as most startups don't right into an agency. So again, I really want to tell you, it was not like I had this magical epiphany and the next day I'm making a million dollars and like all of magical trauma is gone and I'm okay. Like it was not like that. It was a really tiny steps. Absolutely. It was a two year, it was a two year transition. And I think this is an important piece. Like I'm happy to talk about this because I think we hear the like end of the road story, but you're like, yeah, but lady, like what, what, what was it like? What really happened? What really (laughs) happened? Right. So here I am. I'm like, fuck everything. Fuck you. Fuck you. Me too. Whatever. Right. I got to go. Cool. (laughs) 
but like the world doesn't stop turning abs and shit still do. And you're still broke now because you self-funded and now you got to pay everything back. Right. So I, you know, I'm a cat that lands on my legs. Like I just feel I'm scrappy. I've always been scrappy. I figure it out. That's my thing. Now I don't have to live from that place of survival mode anymore. And I get to live now in a balanced thriving mode, but I will tell you that that took time. And I just want to really be honest about that transition. So I went right into a startup where I learned a couple things, mostly things I didn't want to do, which is helpful knowing what you don't like important. And then I went to work at an agency, a marketing agency, and I was their media director. And it was in that space and time, which is a really lovely container that I realized the power of storytelling and that actually that's what I was and that I was really good at it. And I was really fast because of TV. And I learned all of this, all the skills I had just had different names, but were really the same skills. They actually translated really well. And I found out all these new skills of how to build a business. I knew nothing about that. I'd never taken a business course in my freaking life. I knew nothing zilch about making money. But I worked in an agency that helped entrepreneurs. I think like at the time, I think we got up to like seven entrepreneurs become millionaires within two years. Like, holy shit, what is this online world? And then when my body told me it was time to go, I listened and I started my own business. And I'll tell you the true story. The true story is I had no fucking clue what I was doing, Shell, at all. I had $20,000 at that point. I paid off all my debt and I was $20,000 in savings. Okay. This hard facts. These are what I did. I invested $11,000 into a business coach that my partner thought I was smoking literal crack. Why would I take half of my runway to do that? And I said, because number one, I need no plan B. I need to be all in on me because I'll have every reason to jump ship take a TV job, whatever. I got to be all in. And number two, I knew I needed support. I needed a community. I needed new lessons that I didn't have yet. I needed and deserved all of those pieces. And so I invested in myself and I am a betting woman and I am really good at investments. I would invest in me all day long. Cause I guess what Warren Buffett says the same thing. The best investment you can ever make is an investment in yourself. So amen. So I took that 10 grand and in six months, I turned it into a hundred grand. And in a year I turned it into 300 and in a year and a half, I turned it into a million. And I don't talk about numbers in like a stacking Lambo bag of dicks way. That's not my jam, but I want to like, just be honest about what that really looked like. You know, I think women, especially shy away from the like hard facts of how did we do the thing? And I was really committed to the numbers. That was an important part of this. And I think that's another part I like to talk about because I realized that with income also came greater impact. I was able to give more scholarships away. I was able to take risks on myself and projects. I self-funded more things. I created you know, I was able to self-fund coaches to be able to create new creative projects for myself or take breaks financially or hire team members and scale. So you get to have both. You're not less of, or like less altruistic when you focus on the income of your business. And that's a big component that 
Shell knows about me when I coach Shell and other very high powered women. I focus as much on the masculine, the structures, the systems, the money as I do. Where are you being sourced from? And how can you rest and receive? And how are you creatively pulling yourself into a new season? I talk about both and I don't see why we have to be so dichotomous about it. Thank you for coming. We to don't. There you go. <laughs> For those of us, me right here again, who've lived in their masculine for a very long time and we're very successful living in our masculine, it's beautiful to have the conversation about both. Yeah, just have both. And to also learn that really living into my feminine is a big part of why I'm succeeding doing what I'm doing today. It's a big part of being able to write that book and share my story and show up in the world the way I'm showing up. That's powerful. So I want to say, I want to say that. And it doesn't mean I've been like, you know, no more masculine. I embrace my masculine too. It has served me well. It still does. Same. Absolutely. I tell you all the time, I am very strategic. I have (laughs) systems and you know me, I don't do shit without something like having systems and structure and a team plate in place. I like it. I really do. It helps me. It calms my anxiety. So I can sit in my feminine. So I can rest and be the manifest generator that I am and just constantly be in creation mode and know that I can, I can float it. I can fund it. It's going to happen. Um, And this journey, what I'm fascinated by is who I've become and who we all get to become in the process of building our dreams. The dream and what we give, the book that Shelly's created, her podcast, her future TED Talk, those are all gifts to the world. It's who Shelly gets to become in the process of creating those. It's who I've become. It's who you at home get to become. That's your gift. The rest of it is not in your control. How people receive it, what they're going to say about it, how, quote, successful financially it's going to be, it's really not a lot in your control. So embracing who we are in this journey to this thing we are so sure we want, which we might burn halfway through anyway, and I reserve the right at all times to burn it all down. Totally. Is great. That's the gift, y'all. Ding, ding, ding. That's it. Ta-da. Okay. I want to reiterate this line because it will introduce the thing that I teased at the very beginning of this conversation, which is the latest and greatest from Abby Gibb. I, I, you, you said the line and I want to repeat it again, because as you and I were talking the other day, you said who we get to become in the process of embodying our dreams. And you just said that again. And I'm like, oh shit. I just realized yesterday after our conversation that that's what your drum roll podcast is all about. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I want you to take a few minutes and tell this incredible community of rebel souls what your podcast is all about and why we are going to be eating this yumminess out of the palm of your hand. Thank you so much, my dear soul sister. I so appreciate it. I think uh, it will have launched by the time you're listening to this. So yeah, hopefully literally like right around the same time. So you can go scoop it up like Scooby Snacks. There you go. So it's called the Full Body Fuck Yes Podcast. 
Because really, if it's not a full body fuck yes, then it's a fuck no in our lives. So it's a leadership podcast that really has these beautiful, delicious, hard conversations with incredible leaders like Shell, looking into who we're becoming in the process of building our dreams and who we've become in the past. So maybe you're some best-selling author. Like I'm so much more interested in who you became while writing this thing than the thing itself, to be honest. So it's really this investigation about the movement makers, badasses, paradigm shifters of today, right now, and who we're all evolving into and what we're learning as being human yeah. um, that I find so interesting. So that's it's what we're so I, uh, oh, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you no, off. I, I was just, I was remembering when you and I first started talking about getting me on a TED stage. And it will happen when the time is right and the topic is right, all the things. But I've never forgotten what you said to me. It isn't about standing in that red circle on the TED stage. It's about who you get to become in the process. And that has never left me. And I invite everyone who's listening to this right now to think about those defining moments in your life or that thing that we we think it's getting to the destination, to that goal, to that tick the box. And really, what if we looked at it as, oh no, the gift is in the journey. The gift is in the process, in the becoming. And you taught me that. And I can't wait to hear many, many, many conversations around those revelations for people like you and me, because I really, until recently, hadn't seen it that way. Just my eyes weren't open to that. Me too. I think I definitely was so much more focused, and especially in the beginning of my business, of proving everyone wrong, that I had a lot to show myself that I was capable of. I had a lot to heal. And that's beautiful. And it served me really well. But it's it's who I became. And one of the big conversations that I hear every human talk about right now is this idea of imposter syndrome, a big buzzword right now. Uh, and I think every definition I've heard so far is total bullshit. So here's mine. Here we go. Because it's really about this shell imposter syndrome. I like to think of it as the last breath of our old self before it dies. So of course, the old version of us says, who the hell do you think you are to write this next bookshelf or try for that TED talk or create this next part of your business? Who do you think you are? And you're going to say, you're right. The you of today that's talking about this right now, you're right. She can't do it. She doesn't have the skills yet. But do you remember that other time that I made that thing and I didn't know how to do it? And then I just kind of figured it out as I went and then it went great and I loved it. And now I'm like a stronger, more confident person because of it. Remember all that? Yeah, we're just going to go do that again. That's what imposter syndrome is, is it's just a really beautiful, gentle reminder that you're right. You're outgrowing your old self. You're right. You can't do it right now, but you'll become the person who can do it, whatever that looks like, right? Like I have this huge goal next year. I'm walking from Mexico to Canada. I'm walking. I fucking love you for this. The PCT. This is like wild part two done by Abby Gibbs. So way better. (laughs) I'm excited. I'm really excited. Um, So I'm walking. This is your sabbatical. Can we at least call it a sabbatical? It's 100% my sabbatical. I didn't know that it was a sabbatical until I met you. And then I was like, oh, I am already, it's on my calendar. I'm already doing this. That's right. Uh, 
And the thing I remind myself is I get really intimidated because it's 2,700 miles. It amounts to something like 150 marathons in a row or some shit. I don't know, whatever. It's really fucking intimidating. And there's really no way to prepare for it at this point. There's not like literally I couldn't run more to prepare or anything. It's just going to take me doing it. And I've never done that many miles. Nobody on the trail has ever done that many miles um, because you're not the person that's going to finish that trail. I don't know who I'm going to be. I know it's not me now though, and that I'll become her, that I'm going to figure out how to filter my own water and climb through snow for 17 days in a row with a bear canister on my back. I'm not that person who can do that or the person that's going to climb Mount Whitney in one day. I'm going to summit a 14,000 foot mountain in one day. What? I'm not that person right now. So what I'm fascinated by now though, is that I have the trust that I'll become her. And I don't know who that's going to be, but I'm really excited to meet her. I'm excited to be her. Abs, I am too. I am too. Like it makes me, it makes me cry. Like it's so, it's so incredible. Cause I'm so, I don't want to say I'm proud of you because that feels pandering, but I'm so inspired by you. You are so fucking brave. You are my soul model. I want to meet you over and over and over <laughs> again as you are on this journey. Yeah, it is. It is the same. I love watching all of our sisters. I do too. As we're doing this and we're challenging and inspiring each other to push right. further. Just every time I hear you talk about your PCT trip, your sabbatical, it, it just makes me go, you know what, Shelly, you used to do a lot more of that. And I'm just sort of wondering if I've outgrown my current story and, and maybe we'll end here because I mean, I, I will a hundred percent, right. Of course I have. Right. And I get, I'm weepy just like even thinking of that. And, you know, we were, we were asking a really powerful question in our sacred container yesterday that I think is a beautiful place to end in a, a challenge to everyone who's listening and, and, it's this, like the question we asked each other and you started this, Abby, you said, what do you really want to be doing? And what do you really not want to be doing that everyone thinks you should, right? And my answer is what I really want to be doing is this. I want to be writing and sharing. I want to be working on my books, plural, and this podcast. And I want to continue to host and hold a sacred container and space for leaders of Shelly's caliber, which is real deep. Um, And I don't want to ever have superficial conversations. I don't want to ever have anyone tell me what content I need to create or at a timeline or for some sponsor's approval. Um, yeah, no, I don't want to do those things. And I also don't want to coach, uh, beginning entrepreneurs any longer. It's been a really beautiful process to help and support. And I love the literal hundreds of incredible leaders that I've helped to kickstart their careers. 
Um, and that was really beautiful. And again, that's the other piece is like, when we start to say I've outgrown that piece of me, it no longer serves me. That doesn't make it bad. It was a gorgeous, beautiful season of my life. I'm so grateful, so grateful. And I don't want to do that part anymore. Okay. There's no real fanfare around it. That's fine. Yeah. I'm interested in new things. That's okay. Well, and and I think what's really important is when we get to the, what do I not want to be doing anymore? Ask ourselves, get super curious about why we're still doing it and what stories we're telling ourselves around it, because that's what I've been doing with coaching for a really long time. I'm a good coach and I love, I love watching my clients have those breakthroughs again and again and again. And yet I am so clear that if I keep putting my energy, especially in one-on-one coaching, that I will not have the energy needed to serve this bigger mission and my bigger calling in the world. And uh, my answer to what do you really want? Like, what do you want to spend all your time doing was very similar to yours. Write more books have a freaking talk show, which right now looks like this podcast. And in the future, it may look different and speak on big ass stages. Ted might be one of them. hundred percent, hundred percent. And that's it. Maybe speak in arenas. Maybe it's like, I want to do like Oprah's tour from arena to arena and fucking inspire other women and other other souls. I'm going to carry a sign for you. And you can like, look for the sign in the in, in this, in the audience, I'll be there cheering you on every fucking step of the way. Oh, I know you will sister. I know you will. And thank you for supporting my dreams. Thank you. I, I, well, our relationship is continuing on every level. Our friendship will continue to blossom. Our soul connection will continue to deepen our client, uh, client coach relationship will continue to skyrocket. You are my rocket fuel, Abby Gibb. And I tell everybody who will listen, I, <laughs> we could have this conversation for six hours at, we, oh, as we yeah, said at the beginning, I feel like this is one of the biggest gifts I could give to the rebel souls community is, is share this soul connection that I have with you and what a beautiful human you are. And just at least give them a little, just a little sampling of what brings me back week after week. So thank you. And thank you for getting real with us. Always. I have no other option. It's a pleasure. And I would love to hear what the biggest takeaways were. So if you can uh, go ahead, I'm a real person on Instagram. So if you want to, Go ahead and shoot us a quick Instagram story. Tag Shell, tag me. Um, and we'd love to hear what the big knowledge nugget was for you or the big heart crack opener. I love I hearing. love that. Where else can they find you, Abs? I know Instagram is really your homeland. Yeah, come hang out with me on Insta. Um, and then I mean I have my website, abbygive.com too, but like really I'm a real human on Instagram. So just come hang out with me. Say hi, say you heard the podcast, tell me your biggest takeaway. We'll chat. Like I'm again, like really. Michelle knows like I'm a real human. And you really respond. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, for those of you who are going to follow Abby, who will, I know all of you will follow Abby, (laughs) like scroll back into the history. If you want more of these soul bombs and just like mind blowing fucking nuggets (laughs) of wisdom and inspiration, like there is a treasure trove there. So I'm just, I'm telling you now, like I, for me, it's like scroll through Abby's Insta or watch pug videos. These are the things (laughs) I do when I like a puddle 
puddle on the floor. So oh, just so oh. you know. Oh, I love that I'm on the same. That's a very high it is. accolade. It Hug is. video? Oh, there's nothing. I, pugs, are, pugs are, I know that was my puppy. And uh, forever oh. and ever and ever, the thing that puts like, if you pull up, I will do this for you. The yeah. Instagram, you know how you get the home screen? Oh, now I'm not yeah. going to, now, now I'm it's not like going to get it. Whatever. page is all oh, I'll, I'll pug, I'll pug videos just makes me smile. And so then I just have my select few. I'm like, what is going to light me up right now? And you are on that short list, my friend. So thank I you like for that. sharing like your time, your heart, your soul, and for modeling sabbatical better than I do. I love oh, you no. for that. <laughs> Not true. I just am a mirror to remind you of your own brilliance. Oh, you are. Thank Thank you. you. Oh, thank you. And I hope everyone tuning in definitely, as Abby said, share what cracked you open your biggest insight and what you want to do differently going forward. We love all of you fellow rebels and abs. Welcome to the rebel soul community. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Love you. Of course. Love you guys. Bye. Hey rebel. Thanks for listening. If you were inspired by what you heard, please subscribe rate and review so our fellow rebel souls can find us. We have big work to do together. And if you want to dive deeper, head on over to my website at sylbatical.com and follow me at sylbatical on Instagram. Until next time, stay bold, brave, and badass, and never stop asking, what am I rebelling for?